Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List from New Marvel Comics on sale March 15, 2023. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for mattresses. Hmm, and you know what? We've been talking about getting a new mattress. Our mattress is 10, 11 years old, and it's about time. But we are not here to talk about mattresses. We are here to talk about comics, because this is the official Marvel podcast from Marvel Comics, where we give you listeners lots and lots of details and reasons and all kinds of exciting hype to check out the new comics every week we'll give you our three personal picks for the week the three books we say you got to check these out please and thank you and then we'll tell you a bit about every other issue coming we'll highlight specific things about those issues that we really particularly enjoyed using an award system the award is from a quote pulled in one of this week's books there's even a fun game to play with it we'll get into that a little bit later plus we're going to run through the new infinity comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some highlights from issues new to MU this week, and some picks for collections on sale. On top, on top, on top of that, we have a reading club. Jasmine, what's our reading club this week? We are talking to Alyssa Wong about Deadpool the Gauntlet, aka Dracula's Gauntlet, um, as well as Alyssa Wong's current work on Deadpool. So very exciting stuff there. Yeah. All right. We got to roll into things. Let's get into our picks of the week, starting with we got to figure out how many times we pick this book as pick of the week uh, out of 15 issues. It's probably, I'm going to say six or seven. I would say like 75% of the time. <laughs> we are talking about Avengers forever. Number 15. This is part nine of Avengers assemble. This is the final issue of this series. This is the penultimate part of Avengers assemble the penultimate issue of Jason Aaron's big five year Avengers run. It's freaking great. It is written, as I mentioned, by Jason Aaron with art by Aaron Cooter, Mark Farmer, and Frank Martin with lettering by VCs Corey Pettit. This one was a surefire mutual pick for us because it's damn good. One thing I want to say has a bunch of variant covers. Every variant is a banger on here. You've got uh, the regular cover by Aaron Cooter and Alex Sinclair. There's uh, Alex Ross doing two variant covers, which is so, so good. Stefano Caselli and Federico Blee have very, very righteous variant cover. And then uh, Dan Hainsworth has a really cool pixel art variant, which I believe we talked about the first part of that last week. Just like a hundred and some odd characters and all pixel art. It's really, really cool. But we got to get into the book. It opens with this really cool visual double page spread. So the, the left page, you see Galactus, who, spoiler alert, is an Avenger, uh, which is like wild thing, but kind of an Avenger in, in the sense that he was brought to the big giant brouhaha at the end of all time and reality because he was told like, yo, bro. There's this tasty snack here you are going to want to munch on. And he's like, I love to munch. And what he wanted to munch on, the uh, doom, the living planet. And so you pull back. And the second part of that double page spread is a wider shot of Galactus doing his little machine munching thing on doom, the living planet, just destroying this planet sized doom. It is Bananas. And then to see the scale of it and you see Galactus, how big he is in comparison to Doom, that plays a part in the overall feeling of scale in this issue because it just keeps scaling up and you're just like, it's just so big. It's wild. Like this yeah. this issue of Avengers Forever made me realize just how much like one, Jason Aaron just loves the Marvel Universe, but also two, he is just like a kid playing with his like, action figures on the floor of this multiversal plane of existence. And I am here for it. I'm enjoying yeah. it. 
Oh, it's so good. Jason writes a lot of the characters using the Avengers assemble catchphrase that like rally and cry as a weapon against the dooms. It's such a natural thing. And it, the way it's used is so good as all the characters are sort of like rallying around it, saying it, marching forward, punishing dooms, going, going, going. It's rad as hell. You've got a kaiju giant sized Mephisto in here and a celestial Deathlock in this so who bad. says Mephisto feel this and just blast them with this giant what would be like helicarrier sized gun. It makes me giggle. It makes me laugh because it's, it's amazing. Just just capital C comics. It's so rad. Uh, I love it. Uh, one thing I really dug that I just noticed in this issue is the design for the evil Dark Phoenix in here, who is, spoiler alert, you know, if you haven't read it, I'm going to talk about it because it's been revealed a bunch of times over the last couple of issues. It's Mystique, and she kind of wears a version of Destiny's mask, and the way that that's incorporated into her look is just uh, such a great touch. I freaking love it so much. Things get even bigger and wilder, and when I mention the scale, Celestial is not the biggest thing in here, and it just gets bigger. You've got great character moments on top of all that with Robbie Reyes and Brandy, the star brand, having like a two-page just conversation about their purpose, their meaning to the Avengers, what the Avengers mean to them. That's one of the things I love about Jason. It's you find those those quiet moments amidst just the biggest wars of all time. But by the end, we actually get a big revelation for all of this and why this battle is happening, where it's happening with the God Quarry, what is really going on. And it's all leading to the big finale, which I believe is next month in Avengers Assemble Omega. So good. All right. Next up, we have my first pick of the week, Immoral X-Men, issue number two. This is part six of Sins of Sinister. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Andrea DeVito, uh, colors by Jim Charlampetis, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And this whole weird pocket of X-Men lore is one of my new favorites. It just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And the Immoral X-Men line is just fantastic because it delivers on all the petty drama that has been happening on the Quiet Council. It gives us like single issues where they focus on uh, individuals. And in this issue, we focus on hope and how she's kind of evolved. This is a hundred years into Sins of Sinister and how she's kind of evolved into this like Messiah type character. But it's like the Messiah in all the wrong ways. Like it's pretty much her just thriving on the fact that everyone's believing in her. Um, she is a captain of this like ship that is just destroying planet after planet after planet. And she has Exodus as her right hand man. And it, if you're not too familiar with Hope or Exodus, a lot of the stuff gets explained in this issue. So it's kind of a cool introduction if you're not familiar with this character. But just know that this is not the normal like status quo of this character. She's a lot nicer in like our reality than she is in this reality. But that's because she's a sinister clone. As we continue going through this issue, we get to meet new characters. We get to meet uh, Rasputin 4, who was introduced in Hoxpox, which is amazing. Because like ever since we saw that character design, I was into it. I was very much intrigued. And here we get to get a little bit of more backstory of who this character is, who created her, why she's been created. And we get a little bit of like a reveal here. You know, mm. not only is she a sinister creation, she's a level five chimera, I guess. So she's got five different characteristics that have been taken from different mutants. She has got a combination of Colossus, Kate Pride, 
We have a little bit of Quentin Quire. So we got some Omega Telepathy. And then we have Laura Kinney, aka Wolverine, as well as the fact that she can hold the Soul Sword that, you know, we've seen Magic carry around. But then on top of that, she's got the Force Fields of Eunice on top of all that. So she is like pretty much like intangible and invincible it's, and just like so great. overpowered by like a hundredfold. It's insane. But she is probably one of the coolest characters. And when we meet her, we get to see how like heroic she is. She's very much like, I'm going to do good for the universe. And then we even get Emma in the background being like, does she really believe in that? Like, like Sinister, are you sure? And Sinister's like, don't, I mean, we needed to give her a little bit of like hope and a little bit of like, you know, just give her a little bit more of an edge. And it's fantastic when we see her fight all these different like Mystique clones, Mystique Sinister clones, and just take them out in minutes. It's wild. But there's so much like drama, so much just backstabbing, so much conspiracy going on in this quiet council as we, we you know, get to see them 100 years later and how much they've advanced in this new reality, how much mutants have taken over, how the dream that Xavier has, you know, once held dear is evolved and transformed. At one point, he uses it to justify like just mass genocide. And I'm like, what is happening? so much going on in this book highly recommend you pick this one up even if you just want to laugh like it's it's got some good jokes in here it's got love stories it's got it's got a little bit of everything it's great also Eunice the untouchable I always like that his real name is Angelo Unishon. Uh <laughs> what a character I'm glad he gets so much love in this issue in this story please go back everybody go back and read some crappy Eunice uh, appearances because he's such a schmuck but I love him not to mention the Proteus canons Oh my God, that was... Oh my God, so good. But like the fact that they're using mutant clones as ammunition is just wild. Yeah. Can I just like say that my favorite two panels of this book is Mm. Mother Righteous pretty much just like taunting Sinister and being like, ooh, yeah, you know, everything that you do with science, like you only work with four different letters that make up the base pairs, you know, A, C, T, G. I work with 26 because I'm magic. And she's like, okay, bye. And then she just disappears, just haunts him. And I'm like, I love you so much. So great. So good. Uh, Everybody go read some Sins of Sinister stories. And then our third pick of the week is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number 11. Hell freaking yeah. This is a big one. This is a wrap up of the story arc that's been going on with Sam Wilson facing off against the White Wolf in here. And it's been rad. It's written by Tochi Anyabuchi, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Jesus Arbutov, and lettering by VCs Joe Caramagna. So in the fight, you got this big knockdown drag out fight between Sam and White Wolf. White Wolf is T'Challa's brother. He's this like super nationalist. Take Wakanda forever to like the nth degree and then twist it all the way wrong. And that's the White Wolf. He's so messed up. And and he's he's also like from Mohanda and, and he's got like all kinds of messed up stuff going through his head, making bad decisions, causing so much chaos. But he's fighting with Sam and Sam recently went toe to toe with T'Challa. They're taunting each other and whatever. And then (laughs) Sam is like talking about fighting T'Challa and White Wolf is like, I am not my brother. And Sam's like, no, you ain't. And then he just boom goes, takes it to him. Oh, you know, one of the things I love about this book and this story, this issue in particular is I love how a good villain, like seeing a villain get thrashed but uses their words to really cut the hero down. Like saying things that are very much like, like you can't run from this truth. 
and you may kick my ass, but what I'm saying here is going to resonate with you longer than it's going to take for my injuries to heal, which is that's some good stuff right there. Here's like, here's all this emotional trauma. Good luck healing. Yeah. Bye. There's all kinds of stuff. It is beautifully, beautifully delivered by Arby Silva and Jesus Arbatov. Arbatov is doing career best work on all of his books, but here it's just the oranges and the yellows of the fire, the, you know, the bright reds and the blues, the whites. There's just something about the way they have their color palette is exhibited through this. It is, it is gorgeous. It's really, really gorgeous book. We've got all that. My favorite thing about all this, this issue, honest to God, it has a happy ending. It is something that we do not get. It's not just like, Ooh, here's a thing. And then like somebody gets stabbed in the throat at the end and just like, no, we get Sam and Misty smooching on a rooftop in Harlem and like celebrating. We get like positive movement for Joaquin, good things happening. That said, we're about to go into <laughs> Cold War. So I'm sure everything will get turned upside down and destroyed. Oh, there, was, there was a really nice moment with Sam and Ian Rogers. And Ian's mm-hmm. like, I guess it's time to go see dad. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's time to that. go see dad. Yeah. Oh. Uh, thank you, Toach, for bringing a positive, like a good ending. If you stop reading all your comics now, you you can know that this book, yeah, n- this nothing issue, ever continues. Like that's nope, it. This this stopped right where we needed it to. Boom. All right, that's it for our picks of the week. We need to move on to our fabulous fresh floppies, but before we do that, we have to talk about the award. Uh, last week we were giving out the I have kind of a juicy neck award that was in New Mutants Lethal Legion number one. And we have a winner. Yes, Mike is our winner. And Mike hit us up nice and early on Wednesday to say, after I picked up all my comic books from my local store, I'll bring them home and bag them and file them accordingly. After I was done, I had the New Mutants Lethal Legion issue and decided to read that first. About six pages in, I found the quote. My local comic shop is Level Up Entertainment in the Hamilton Mall in Mills Landing, New Jersey. And, you know, Mike was so lovely. Mike told us that he reads and gets so many Marvel comics each week that he deferred his code to someone else. So thanks to Mike, I gave away a few extra comics this week, which is really nice. Three cheers for Mike. And we also had some other folks who found the code. Max Lorm emailed on New Comic Book Day and said, I was sure this week's quote was in Bloodline, Daughter of Blade or Moon Knight. So obviously I was wrong, even though it was indeed about vampires. Actually, I'm not really surprised it was in New Mutants because there was a lot of potential. I would have had trouble picking one quote between that and wouldn't miss it for a lifetime of pizza or I'm not wrapping bacon around anything. Although, considering the protest we have in France, I guess I would have to go for the real fight is everyone against the oligarchs. Very good. Max continues saying thanks to Charlie Jane Anders and Anid Balam and the rest of the team for such a great issue. I loved Morgan and Rain's look. I wonder if I won't put a picture of them next to my mirror as an inspiration every morning. Then Abby wrote in and said, I was shocked but excited to stumble upon the quote of the week while reading New Mutants Lethal Legion this new comic book day, which I absolutely loved. Scout and Jonathan are two of my favorite characters to run into while reading, and I always enjoy seeing them show up to ruin a would-be date. I think Escapade could have every quote of the week. She's so funny. Always a pleasure to find it. And this time I felt as though I couldn't not write in. Craig found the quote and said, thank you for giving me something to listen to while walking my dogs. Craig, give your dog some some scritches and some pets for us. 
And our pal Joe said, last night I walked away from my favorite comic book shop, Elite Comics in Overland Park, Kansas, with a big stack of fresh Marvel floppies. I'm especially looking forward to reading Avengers number 66, as Jason Aaron keeps doing an awesome job of winding down his run with Earth's mightiest superheroes. And the final issue of John Ridley's run on Black Panther. I've really enjoyed this series, though it's been sad seeing T'Challa portrayed as a tragic Shakespearean character like King Lear. I also really enjoyed your reading club. X-Men Days of Future Past was a great movie, and I'll definitely have to check out the comic book version someday soon. That one right there, Joe, that little bit of I've seen the movie, never read the comic, just made my wig spin. Holy moly. I hope anyone who has never read X-Men Days of Future Past has now rectified that. Uh, Did enjoy the movie. Don't get me wrong. But the comic is the best. We also have some uh, honorable mentions and shout outs. I wanted to shout out folks who found the it worked in Star Wars quote that we had previously, uh, but they wrote in after we recorded Richard Lee as well as Nick Forgey. Nick also hyping up their local comic shop, Ultimate Comics in Cary, North Carolina, which we love to see. I will say we'll, we'll try to get you guys into each episode, but as best you can find the quote, hit us up by like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Of, of the week the episode comes out. It's just because of the way we record and everything. Otherwise, we may not always be able to get you in there. But we're going to try because we love y'all. Also, wanted to remind everybody, this week is our big X-Men 60th anniversary virtual event, which begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on March 16th. Hopefully, you are a Marvel Unlimited annual or annual plus subscriber and you can join the event. It's going to be really freaking cool. So with that in mind, let's get into our award for this week. What do we got? All right. This week, it's a little bit long, but it's great. I promise. We will be giving out the I Will Eat My Own Guts in the Name of Victory Award. It is a good one. If you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. If you're the first, give or take, I will reach out to you and give you a recent digital comic of your choice. Please mark your messages as okay to read so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, please give us their name and location so we can give them a shout out as well. Yes, but if you're not the first to find the quote, we've got another way for you to win. We've teamed up with Marvel Insider to score some Marvel Insider points just for listening to the podcast. After you listen to the show, make sure to go to marvel.com slash insider and look for the Marvel's pull list quote of the week activity. You'll be asked to identify the correct quote of the week from the four choices, which is pretty easy if you've listened to the show. You'll know what the correct answer is. Choose correctly and you'll earn 500 Marvel Insider points. Pretty great. Love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So again, this week's award name is I will eat my own guts in the name of victory. And let's give that award to the rest of the books this week, starting with Avengers War Across Time number three. There's a couple of places I would give it to. Obviously, this is the story with Kang has been messing with the Avengers, looking for the right time to hit them. And it's set in early Marvel Universe you know, Age of Heroes time period. So it's a early Avengers squad. Fantastic Forest are rolling along. Peter is very young as Spider-Man. Uh, but we've got Sindri, the King of the Dwarves, fighting uh, Thor. That said, I'm going to split my award, giving it to two great scenes drawn by artist Alan Davis. One, Captain America using his shield to surf across lava and save someone. And then the other one is the final page and the look on Kang's face being so sleazy and scummy and perfect. Next up, we have Bishop War College issue number two, and I'm going to go ahead and give my I Will Eat My Own Guts in the Name of Victory Award to the new X-Men team that we meet here 
from Earth 63. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Captain Marvel number 47 is up next. There's a lot of great stuff in here. Really great art. Wonderful stuff. Escalating the brood across here in an X-Men. But I'm going to give the I Will Eat My Own Guts in the Name of Victory award to a scene between Rogue and Hazmat that neither Jasmine nor I knew we needed or wanted no, or were going to but get. I wanted it. But wow. Kelly freaking Thompson crushing it as always. Next up, we have Gold Goblin issue number five. This is the last issue of this series. And I got to say, like, I really enjoyed this series. I thought it was a really mm. cool exploration of Norman Osborn and just having to deal with guilt and, you know, his past sins. It ends in a big battle between Norman, Spider-Man and Queen Goblin. And it is dark. It is just mean. It is nasty. And the final couple pages of this battle is what I'm going to go ahead and give my I Will Eat My Own Guts in the Name of Victory Award because surprise cameo by Gwen Stacy? Question mark? Yes. That's what's getting my award. Um, You know what, Jasmine? I know you were really close to picking Hellcat number one as one I of was. your picks. Do you want to talk about Hellcat as well? I sure do. All right, next yeah, up we did. have Hellcat issue number one. This could have been a pick of my week just because I love Patsy Walker. And this book is a continuation of that Iron Man and Hellcat annual that came out a couple months ago almost i feel like it came out late last year and it continues that same thread that same story so we have hellcat patsy walker who's been framed for murder as she's trying to solve you know what's been going on she's got a lot of drama in between her and hetty and i'm gonna go ahead and give my i will eat my own guts in the name of victory for the amount of just weird obscure characters that made an appearance in this issue one not just being sleepwalker because we've definitely talked about sleepwalker making an appearance and patsy walker's world but nightmare and i believe a zombie version or like a monster version of her ex-husband no that's simon garth zombie okay great even better i did love that page i did i wanted to quickly shout out a letter at the end of this book it's in the letters page written by jupiter jones and they kind of talked about how patsy walker's relationship with her mother and how her mother was making these comics based on her childhood and you know her high school years is very relative to like the current like generation of parents who are making content around their kids and like they use the the, the word like in, in in quotation mark content kids and how they've become influencers mm-hmm. and like it's kind of like a really cool comparison to think about like yeah that's what patsy walker comics would have looked like in 2023 and i just i thought that was a really cool way of to reimagine that or just revisit that idea indeed all right, we've got issue 13 of Hulk out this week. And one, it's got a really rad homage cover of Steve McNiven homaging Todd McFarlane and the classic Incredible Hulk Wolverine cover. Good stuff on that variant. But um, man, there's a couple of different places I can give my I will eat my own guts in the name of victory award. Could it be the appearance of the character I was not expecting? The sort of like <laughs> source behind it all? I was like, say what? It was great. My jaw dropped. I was like, I know. I know. What year is this? I was so happy. Uh, But I will probably give it to just getting the origins of Smashtronaut Hulk slash Banner here. And like, we sort of picked up this series with him in this this version. And now we get to see how and why this happened and then then loop around to the like the cause of it all. I dug it. Dug it. I want to give a bonus award to the fact that Hulk rips open his own cranium oh my God. to expose his brain and attach some of that equipment, which Whoa. was 
All right, next up we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue number four. I've really enjoyed this book. It's very entertaining. It's very fun. I love that this new villain that we get introduced to is tied to Miles Morales' origin story in a way. And I feel like that always tends to make some of the best villains that we get to our heroes. And because of that, like I want to go ahead and give Cody Ziegler my I will eat my own guts in the name of victory award because the way he crafts this story behind uh, Raneem Rashad is just wonderful. And just like the amount of like resentment that this character has for Miles Morales, not only Spider-Man, but Miles Morales. Rabble really feels like Miles, Miles' own Venom in, mm-hmm. in all the best ways. It's great. Yeah. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur 4 is up next. I will give my, I will eat my own guts in the name of victory award to uh, Alba Glez's art, which is the kids feel like kids. It has this like vibrancy and this kineticism, very manga-y, very, it just feels very youthful and it feels like it fits the title of the book so well. It works. All right. Next up, we have Red Goblin issue number two, and I'm going to give my, I will eat my own guts in the name of victory award to the tension in the air that surrounds Normie Osborne at school getting bullied while having a red symbiote like just inches away from him (laughs) on the ground. I'm just like, oh my God, if this symbiote takes over, these kids are done for. And it is horrifying. I feel like that entire, all of that tension just surrounds this book completely. Hell yeah. We've got the final issue of Secret Invasion limited series this week. And I'm going to give my, I will eat my own guts in the name of victory to the reveal montage. Because one, I love a montage. I love a reveal montage. I'm into it. Next up, we have Star Wars Yoda issue number five. And I feel like this one complements or Miles Morales Spider-Man book really well because there's a lot of resentment going on between these two issues. Mm. And this book, we get a backstory of one of the, the young Padawans and how their relationship with another Padawan is sort of meeting this weird tension. Essentially, there's a young Wookiee Padawan who had a vision about the other one becoming evil and killing everybody. And whether to trust that or whether to deal with it, it's weird. But I want to go ahead and give my, I will eat my own guts in the name of victory to a young Dooku again, because young Dooku, man. Tight. He's great. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jody Hauser also writes a, just a great story about prejudice. In there? Oh, it's good. It's good. All right. On to Wolverine number 31. Would have been one of my picks, but like, I just feel like I also pick Wolverine a lot. And Avengers was ending. Wolverine's going on because, ooh, baby, this is a Beastorama issue. There's so much Beast you can't even imagine. Like, honestly, there's a lot of Beast in this issue. It's a lot. There's so many friggin' places to give the award. There's a quote in here, which I really loved. This doesn't feel like an ugly end. It feels like a bad beginning is such a so good. Freaking Benjamin Percy. I hate you. Uh, there's great underwater scenes. There's all kinds of stuff with, again, with beast and, and how nasty he is, but I will, I want to give my, I will eat my own guts in the name of victory award to the double page splash of beast and his transport moving into the ocean. So Juan Jose cool. Reap takes this huge scale you feel like the motion even though there's no motion then that like the sense of what's going on there it it's real good it's real good it's amazing all right last up we have excellent issue number one this is a return of the series and so we get a lot of our characters coming back we're revisiting some of these characters and their relationships with each other aren't quite what they seem anymore lots of love breakups lots of you know 
re-examinations of teams and all that said, I'm going to go ahead and give my I will eat my own guts in the name of victory to Uno, the giant floating eyeball in this book, giving birth to another baby eye, which yes. I, I don't know how we got that on a page, but oh, I wow. So great. Wow. Just wonderful. All right. On to collections this week. Uh, you can pick up a whole bunch of things on Kenny X-Men Masterworks, volume 15 and more. We've got Deadpool by Kelly Thompson out this week in one collection, which is, I think, an underrated yes. series. We had Jerry Duggan and all of his collaborators do an amazing run on Deadpool. And then Scotty and Nick Klein did a great run. And Kelly had her run. Mm-hmm. And now we're back with Alyssa. And they're doing such great work. But don't sleep on Scotty's run or Kelly's no. run. They're so both good. so wonderful. We also have the Variants collection finally coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as X-Men Red Volume 2 by Al Ewing. Yeah. Over on Infinity Comics on Marvel Unlimited this week, a whole bunch of issues, new issues of X-Men Unlimited, number 78, Love Unlimited, Deadpool Loves the Marvel Universe, number 41, Marvel's Voices, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, number 44, Alligator Loki, number 21, and then new arcs for Spider-Verse Unlimited. Issue 41 is all about noir by Amy Chu, Dio Neves, and Antonio Fabella. And it's got uh, Spider-Man Noir teaming up with Daredevil Noir. And an old foe shows up. And then in Avengers Unlimited number 37, it's A-Next, which is wild. It's A-Next. It's the MC2 universe, the Spider-Girl universe. Yes, I know. I'm so excited. We get Juggernaut back. We get, oh my God, all of them. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, by the creative team from those books, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends with Colors by Chris Sotomayor. I mean, it's the return of A-Next that is going to really be something special for a whole lot of people. It's exciting. I'm glad we have that. Also hitting the MU service, we have a bunch of new number ones coming into the app. We have Dark Web issue number one, as well as Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue number one, plus a couple of other great hits. We have Tiger Division issue number two, X-Men Red issue number nine, X-Force 35, as well as Fantastic for issue number two, which I think was one of our picks of the week, if I recall correctly. And we have the final issue of Predators, issue number five. Heck yeah. Also fitting into Marvel Unlimited, some older comics. We've got issues 31 through 34 of Mark Spector Moon Knight. The past couple of weeks, we've been telling you, we've been filling in more holes. So I think we're pretty good there. There's uh, Moon Knight Divided We Fall, which was like a big special one shot. OGN, something like that from 1992. And then issue 200 of What If, which is surprising to me that that wasn't in the service, but that's a siege focused issue of What If. That's pretty cool too. All right. That's a lot of comics this week, but we've got to get into our reading club. Jasmine, what do we got? We are talking to Alyssa Wong, who is currently writing Deadpool for us over here at the House of Ideas. But we're going to be talking about Deadpool the Gauntlet, which was an infinite comic, not an infinity comic, that came out digitally a while back. But you might also recognize it as Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet, uh, which was the renaming convention that we gave it once it was released in physical floppies. Yeah, and we we may have talked about this in the interview, but there's a couple of ways you can read it. There's the print trade, there's the digital collection, there's the original infinite comics that you can read on Marvel Unlimited. But the best way, in my opinion, is reading the infinite comics on the Marvel Comics app. It's They were made for the Marvel Comics app, not Marvel Unlimited specifically, and they just function a little bit better on Marvel Comics. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, Jasmine, I hope you're ready to run the gauntlet with one of our returning guests, Alyssa Wong. Hello, Alyssa. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on. We were yeah. already talking about your work on Deadpool, on Dr. Afra, and the gorgeous new character, Valentine Wong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've just been saying Vong. I have I had a, um, but also you can probably say it Vong. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> thank you. They are amazing. I love them. Please never hurt them. Wow. <laughs> That's what we want, though. We want, look, as, as a longtime X-Men fan, I've talked about this a lot. I crave the pain as much as it destroys me. I need to be hurt. I need to feel sadness because it makes the great moments even better. And it's like reading this and watching the relationship flourish between Deadpool and Valentina. All I'm seeing is, oh, this is going to end poorly. This is going to end poorly. This is going to end poorly for somebody somewhere down the line. But I love the ride because it's so beautiful. It's so sweet. It's so fun. Thank you. Hopefully it ends poorly for you, Ryan, because they will never, ever be hurt. And they are going to live happily ever after. And you will never get that pain. I'm sorry. Right, Alyssa? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, if uh, if you're a closet sadist, I think uh, comics writing is always a great career. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I love love and I love romance. And it's something I'm endlessly fascinated by because it's actually not something that comes super naturally to me. But my spouse is a huge romantic, so I've like low key been trying to learn romance for a hot minute <laughs> because of this. So yeah, I for my Deadpool run, I originally pitched this um, to Jordan, the editor, as um, a body horror rom com. Um, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> like a shoujo romance, like rom com. I I don't know, and he was super down with it, um, which I was surprised by. But it's been really fun so far. And I think you're also wonderfully paired with great artists. You know, Martin Cocolo in the script, when we get those like really cute panels of Valentine with like the petals falling around her, <laughs> that the little flourishes of like romantic vibes that we're envisioning. Is that in your script or did Martin sort of start to throw those in? Yeah, so those are in the script. I, I wanted to have those like shoujo romance moments. So, um, you know, I every basically every time Valentine shows up, especially the first time, they're always like the shoujo romance sparkles around them, the petals falling. And it's actually because we're seeing them the way Deadpool is seeing them. So it's like this like sweet love struck thing. I read a lot of manga growing up and there's always that <laughs> moment when like the hot love interest shows up for yeah. the first time and they're just like gorgeous and sparkling and you're like wow so I really wanted to have that moment for Valentine in pretty much every issue I think at this point <laughs> but especially that first one especially yeah. that first one I love that I'm also a big like romantic um so if you're looking for books like romance novels you would like recommendations if you're willing to trade those for manga romance recommendations up your girl Absolutely. Please Done. hit me with them. I've been looking for a good romance novel for like a billion years. It's good that we're talking about romance because our reading club selection is Deadpool the Gauntlet, which was originally released as an infinite comic, not an infinity comic. Please, dear listener, get the terminology straight because infinite and infinity 
are very different products. Uh, for a quick lesson, because I've been at Marvel a very long time, and I remember the creation of all these different things, Infinite Comic is sort of, you would tap them, you would read them in uh, like the Marvel app or whatever it is. And you can still, I, I still have all of my downloads. So I was reading, I actually read this in the Infinite Comic format uh, that it was originally created in. You tap them to progress the story and some things can change and some things, the artist in this case, Riley Brown, for the most part, and Scott Kolblish, they will update things or move to panels. And it sort of gives it not animation, but a feeling of movement and change that is a little bit different from what we see in the current Infinity comics, which are the vertical scrolling comics. Uh, I'm curious for the two of you, did you read this in print, you know, trade paperback? Did you read it in um, digital collection where it was reformatted? Or did you read it in the original way it was presented? I remember the Infinite Comics when they first came out. And I remember they were, I remember reading on a web browser and I, I thought they were really cool because I could get away with it while I was in school. I was like in a lecture hall, just like doot, 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 reading my comics. It was great. But I, I don't think I read this one specifically. When I went to read this one for this reading club, I did use the Marvel Unlimited app to read it. And it was, it was not what I remember. It's cool to read it now and see, you know, oh, this was a moment in history where like, this is what we thought, you know, the future of digital comics could look like or a version of it. And so it's a, it's almost like a fun case study to, to read it on the app digitally because it's like, oh, this is cool. Like I see what they were trying to accomplish here. I only have only read it on the app and I've tried re I've read it on my phone and I've read it on an iPad, which is much more manageable. I think it's a really interesting form and I'm curious to see what the scripts look like and I do like that it's very interactive. So in that way, you're kind of complicit in the adventure, which I like. <laughs> but in some ways, it's weird because, wait, this came out in like 2000? 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's almost a decade it... ago. <laughs> no, why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, this is not a particularly flattering comparison, but I don't mean it in a bad way. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of a PowerPoint. Um, yeah. Because, like, the images are coming up sequentially, and then they change as you click, essentially. And eventually you end up with the whole image, which also, for me, usually happens to be shaped kind of like a PowerPoint screen, <laughs> rather than necessarily like a like a print vertical comic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I had a good time reading it, but it was really hard for me to read. <laughs> Yes, uh, that's a great point. I, I forgot. I did also try to read it on Marvel Unlimited and I was like, ooh, because the current iteration of Marvel Unlimited is not built with this format in mind. And so the transitions aren't seamless. But if you do have it, the like the actual purchased comics on the Marvel Comics app or Comicsology as it was, you can read it in the intended format. And on an iPad, it's perfect it's pitch perfect and it's really the the right way to read it that said it's a really great story it's so fun it is ridiculous it is written by brian posein and jerry duggan penciled by riley brown and scott kolblish colored by jim charlie ampetus lettered by vcs joe sabino you know it's interesting so i'm looking at the collection on the marvel comics app and there's a collection of the infinite versions in one story oh. in all all 13 of the infinite issues in there so there are ways to read this i'm curious too because like you read this and Alyssa, and you were talking about like how you you found it fascinating it's like this old format like you're also writing infinity comics so like i'm curious yeah. like if you just enjoy 
like that explosion of like the format and like playfulness of the format where you can play and tell these types of like linear sequential art stories. I love weird format stuff. Like that is a hundred percent what speaks to me across basically any kind of writing. I'm curious, when did you first read this? The uh, the Gauntlet story? Yes. So fun facts, I only read it, I want to say, maybe a year ago or so. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was doing a lot of Deadpool research. And Makes sense. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big Jerry Deadpool stan. He's just so good. Like, I think Jerry's one of the writers where I'm like, it doesn't matter what you write, I'm going to read it. And when I think about Deadpool and what I like about Deadpool as a character... I'm like, this dude's a little clown. He's really funny. He's really goofy. Big physical comedy. But he also reminds me of like, um, you know, like that wise ass, like class clown goofy kid in your class who's like really smart, but can't keep their (laughs) together. Um, (laughs) That's what I think of. And when I think about um, specifically a lot of basically anybody, but like a lot of the guys I knew who were like, I'm going to be the funny guy. I want everybody who's listening to know that Alyssa not only winked when she said that, but also like pointed with the finger gun. Yeah, you get finger guns today. Um, Yeah, wow. (laughs) So yeah, I think the thing is when you're the jokester, it's really easy to distance yourself from the actual intense core of your emotions. It's easy to protect yourself from being vulnerable if you always have something funny to say and everyone's always laughing with and at you. You never have to be vulnerable with anybody. So when I think about Deadpool and like intense like emotional work, that's kind of what I always come back down to. And I think I think that for me, actually, the moment in the gauntlet that I always think about, well, two of them. The first bit where Deadpool saves like the lady and then he takes his mask off and she runs away screaming. <laughs> um, she runs away screaming, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> And then later when uh, Shikla kisses him and she's like, I love my husband. And there's such a stark difference between those moments. Oh, and the last moment that I always think about is um, where she transforms into her like dragon monstery form yes. for the first time. And everybody like screams and runs away and sort of like the parallels there. But I don't know. I'm like, what is it like when you spend your entire life or at least a huge chunk of your adult life thinking I'm, I'm hideous? Like, people aren't going to want to be with me. Like, I'm ugly, and I think it, it does a number on your self-esteem. So that's something that I really wanted to explore in my Deadpool run. You know, what is it like when you meet somebody who genuinely thinks that you are deeply attractive? Like, basically for the first time in your life, or that it hasn't happened very often before. And what does that do to you as a person? Yeah, <laughs> so fun, fluffy stuff. You <laughs> yeah, know. you know, just casual. It, it's so good. And, and, you know, talking about what you were saying about Jerry, I, I, I love Jerry's work on Deadpool. I always go back to the good, the bad, and the ugly and that storyline and, and the pain and the anguish and the rage that Deadpool has and taking him out of all of his comfort zones and showing him vulnerable but like driven a driven deadpool is so interesting to me because he he comes off as so goofy but when you rip off that veneer and you get to some of the like the core things that really strip him down from a lot of that getting to what you're talking about of like 
letting him feel that vulnerability what in, in obviously in different ways but man that that makes for some really exciting deadpool stories i think there's a very romantic side to deadpool because of that and i think that's it when i see a character like that i just want to peel them open and see what's inside <laughs> i don't know I, it's fun because i get to indulge in um i was gonna say i, I write a lot of very like clean stuff um like alligator loki is is like all ages um you know star wars uh you can get kind of gnarly but it still has to stay very clean same thing with like honestly a lot of superhero comics in general i wrote for overwatch before coming to write comics and similarly it's just like you keep everything incredibly clean so deadpool's great because i get to indulge in the weird and kind of gross and delightful stuff (laughs) Yeah, there's such a great dynamic, you know, that has been going on with the uh, with the symbiote that is attached to Deadpool and the, just the creepiness. And then so the most recent issue that released when the, the symbiote is detached and that like shot of it coming out and then like it feels so big. And then it's just like, mommy, 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 mommy. I was like, oh, I this book is so creepy. Died. I love it. And poor Deadpool. I just can't believe you uh, you got away with putting a mommy joke. Like, the mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry. <laughs> like, when I saw that, I was like, Alyssa is writing to one person and one person only, and it is me at this point. Like, I feel so seen. Oh, so good. I mean, <laughs> thank you. No, I was surprised I got to keep that one, too. But I, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This Deadpool run is so full of stupid jokes and the thirsty meter is just it's broken it's a very thirsty book (laughs) it's an incredibly thirsty book but i'm here for it i'm here for all of it also we need to talk because in the last issue that we read issue number four deadpool has a list of names for the symbiote redesme baby wade wade jr waffles ophelia hamlet ridley renesme again carney coco ramen princess diamond cherry yes (laughs) (laughs) okay have you decided in your head what that symbiote's name is? Oh, yeah. Oh, You'll no. find out. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, do you have a favorite name on that list out of curiosity? Renesmi is probably my favorite. Like, that is so good. <laughs> I died of laughter when I read it. What is that a reference to? Oh, my to? God. It's a Twilight reference. So, spoilers for the last Twilight book. If you haven't read it by now, <laughs> I guess. Bella Swan, human extraordinaire has a half human half vampire baby and it's got all of like the vampire like strength and and stuff so um there's a point where it kicks in her womb and it breaks her rib it's a truly wild horrific like but it's supposed to be very romantic uh but but truly truly extremely horrific like pregnancy and then uh it kills her when she's giving birth also the baby like grows really fast and it's like by the time it's like a month old it looks like it's like four or something crazy like that so i was like this is the perfect symbiote name like you have the symbiote in deadpool who's like growing out of his liver and it's messing up his body and it's you know it's like ripping him open every time it like pops stuff out i was like this is a renesmee situation it just is (laughs) It, it made sense it made sense in my mind but as deadpool did point out he was like i don't want to get sued by the twilight lady um which i thought was so funny I did have that worry. I was like, oh man, am I, gonna get, am, am I, Alyssa, going to get sued by the Twilight Lady? 
how has that been? I, I feel like we've been talking a lot about your current Deadpool run, and we'll get back to, to the gauntlet in a minute. But, like, how is that? Like, because when we talked to Leia Williams during Exterminators, she shared a couple different moments where, you know, Jordan was like, um, I don't know if we can say this. Has that happened yet in your book? So, yes, but actually sometimes in the reverse. So I would say uh, there are times, especially when I was writing Deadpool 1, I feel like um, hitting that first issue and getting everything right is always really tricky. So I sent in my script and he was like, this is good. I think we can punch up the jokes. So I was just like, I'm going to keep pushing and pushing. And I couldn't figure out like what the right angle to like punch up the jokes was. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what is, what is it? And I realized, oh, this dude is just super thirsty all the time. (laughs) That's the angle. Duh, of course. So I've been constantly surprised by Jordan being like, this is cool. Or being like, how about even a little bit more? Uh, The things that I haven't been able to get away with, I think, is if some things were a little too gruesome. Oh my god, Jordan is going to kill me for this. Oh no. Hey, it's um, Jasmine. At the request of the ex-office and Jordan D. White, uh, Marvel Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sapolsky, the Marvel HR department, and the legal team, we were told that we were not allowed to air this audio. So, we apologize for the inconvenience. And Alyssa, if you're listening to this, just know that I am incredibly terrified of you after hearing this. Uh, yeah, so just enjoy the music until we return to your regular scheduled programming. Thank you. But Jordan was like, Alyssa, we can't do that. <laughs> Alyssa, we... Good lord, okay. Alyssa. I mean, Alyssa, no. Yeah, I don't know if we can. He's that. right. You're you're sadistic. I'm glad you're writing Deadpool. Oh my I, god. <laughs> oh, I need to like hold on. I need I need I need a break. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a lot. You know what? Let's shift gears once again. So we should talk about Deadpool and the Gauntlet a little bit more. Had wild like globe-spanning storyline you had dracula in there you had deadpool sort of like going out and digging up stuff and finding things and then running into uh like a bunch of monsters there's a great fight with deadpool fighting um a brood um the like a mummy frankenstein's monster and a symbiote covered not exactly a kentaur or centaur or whatever because there's from what i remember like the head is all it's like an animal horse man hybrid thing. <laughs> it's real wild. It is a lot of fun. Uh, that poor guy was a centaur who's bitten by a werewolf. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> had bonded with a symbiote. Yep. <laughs> As one does, so you know, bad. casually. It happens. It's been known to happen. It is such a bonkers yeah. book. Like, like I said, like I hadn't read it in a while and like I, I didn't remember much of it, but like reading it here. It's just so crazy to me how vast Deadpool's, like, world is. Because, like, a lot of the times we tend to think about Deadpool and we don't immediately go to the monster side of things. Like, this, what that's very much what Jerry Duggan's and Brian Postain's run kind of, like, did was it, it explored the monster of it all. Um, we get Dracula. We get Blade in this book. And, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, this is probably the best Deadpool-Blade team-up I've ever read. Like, I was like these two work so well together and i never realized how much i needed that so fun when blade showed up i like actually yelled i was so excited <laughs> where did this sit in jerry and 
Brian's mm. run of Deadpool? Was it at the beginning? That is a great question. Because this is like before he's married to Shikla, because this is where we get Shikla. And like, mm-hmm. that's why I came to this book. Because I remember like when I was reading the single issues, like Shikla was just, they were just married or like they were together all of a sudden. I was like, where did this girl come from? I need to know more about her. I love her. I like went back and I found the Infinite Comics. But I don't remember if it was like the beginning of the run or not. It was. So this is like about a year and a half into the run, a little over a year. Okay. Yeah, about a year and a half, not quite two years into when it starts coming out. Um, but by, you know, by the end, we're, yeah, we're deep into the run. So. I love Shikla. She's such a babe in like the, like, she's a babe on the outside and, and on the inside. Her heart is the heart of a babe. I love characters like her who are sort of like fish out of water, like real sweethearts who also are like terrifying. That is a hundred percent like what I'm here for. You know, she's been sealed away for a bajillion years and she's seeing the modern world for the first time, starry eyed. And she's also this royal undead, like (laughs) succubus, like with a huge monster form. And everything about that is just so, it's so perfect to me. Like, I love her. She's terrifying. She's smart. She is pissed off. Like, you know, the whole Dracula wants to resurrect her and and make her his bride. He wants to basically build his power base even more and all this stuff. And Deadpool is the one to get her out. And there's a great moment. You know, you've gone through all this. There's tons of adventures and she's going around. She's killing vampires and she's saving her people which is part of why she's like a hero for her people and the people are monsters but they're still her people and you're you like rally behind her and there's a great moment she cuts the head off two vampires she brings them to dracula and he's like eh, let's get married and she's like i would never <laughs> marry you i already got married what's up yeah it's so fun and it was like wait what yeah. and then it's like very much just like we're going to get to that later. Like, don't worry about it. And we just move on. And I'm like, no, they got married? Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I don't know. She seems really sweet. And I always love a, a gen, like someone with a, with like a genuine kind heart who is also terrifying. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely terrifying powerhouse. Like, that's always my favorite. I mean, I don't know if you've... you've she'll come back in your story but i'm curious it seems like you're you're into this character i do really love her um honestly i wouldn't say no to writing shigla i think uh it depends on how long this run lasts and and how many issues we get forever um, for sure it's gonna run god forever. i would love to write i'd love to write deadpool forever <laughs> but um i was gonna say if we get more issues um i wouldn't mind writing shigla i think that could be super fun I realized a lot of people love Shikla and I was like, I don't know anything about her. Then I read this and I was like, I'm sold. Like, I'm a believer. A hundred percent. Ship it. And then you were like, and I'm going to give Deadpool a different love interest. <laughs> you know, I think every time you start a new run of something with a lot of history, at least I always like being like, you don't need to know anything going in. Here's a really fresh start with like a bunch of characters that we haven't necessarily seen in a hot minute and some returning cast. That way you can just strap in and enjoy and you don't need any background. And then after things are more established, then you can start pulling in characters that are really important 
to the person you're writing who have a lot of history. And that way you don't get bogged down at the beginning. That being said, I think there's a Shikla reference in issue three. <laughs> I think there is. I just remember it being brought up and I was like, okay, don't care. I like Valentine. <laughs> I mean, I do care, but I like Valentine. I love Valentine. I'm so glad you like Valentine. That makes Freaking, me so happy. I love oh, them, even though so their cool. finger needles creep me out. I was thinking about that. I feel like it's really hard to type if you have, like, glass finger needles. Yeah. There's a moment where they pull out a gun uh, or they're holding <laughs> a gun. And I was like, while reading it, I'm, like, trying to do the, the gymnastics to, like, how they would hold the gun. I was like, why am I? It's great. It's great. It's a fun bit. It doesn't <laughs> need to be, like, I don't have to reconcile it. And I was just like, that's so great. It made me so happy when they were holding the gun. <laughs> I love that, that that sequence is basically everybody, like everybody, being like, how did you get a gun? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally everybody, Deadpool, the people they're fighting, they're just like, how did this happen? And there is a reason. But I did think about the finger needle gun physics, and I think my answer is you just have to do it very carefully. That makes just, Yeah, that checks out. Real, real carefully. So I was just... Um... I was just reading Deadpool 29, the sort of end of the the Wade Shikla period, and Shikla bounces out with Dracula, and <gasps> I can't believe I'm it. Like, I forgot about that. Girl, what are you doing? I'm sorry, if a dude like murdered my brothers and also like tried to exterminate my entire people, like yeah. I wouldn't marry that guy. No. She does send him a little note. And it ends with, keep your phone on. You never know when booty calls. Until then, be good to yourself. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Let that booty call, that's Alyssa. Let that booty call, Deadpool. Let's see. Let's <laughs> get some of that. That's for, That's a fun romance story. Putting it out there. It is a fun romance story. I don't know. It's funny. I always want to write like the fun, goofy stuff. I think I'm much more interested in that than like sort of your not standard exactly but like more of like a classic tale of heroics like i care a lot less about being a hero than i do about having fun so (laughs) (laughs) i just want to write people having fun and causing problems because of the fun they're having we love messy fun Mm. i'm here for it (laughs) more of that please also just want to give big love to riley who did you know the the chunk of the art chores on Uh, on the gauntlet and Riley Brown did really he did a lot of work on infinite comics and really cool stuff in here Um, you know this this takes a lot of like laying out and thought because he's doing in the way that's meant to be done there's a lot of transitions and movement and and how that is sort of framed up it is good and his style is so like fun and bouncy but also gets into the weird so so well because there's a lot of really weird character designs throughout all of this from the monsters to the vampires to bringing in werewolf by night or all kinds of characters it is so good and i love riley i also was so happy to see joe sabino who's also lettering our deadpool run who is a wizard like truly Mm -hmm. a wizard every time i see his lettering passes i just get so happy (laughs) heck yeah Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. And thanks for bringing this book to us. Um, it was something that like I had to like go out of my way to find. And I, I love when people can do that on the show or when people bring us new things um, to explore and talk about. So thank you. 
Yeah, of course. And thank you for inviting me to talk about this wild Deadpool. Hopefully we can have you back on and we'll talk about your first arc on Deadpool uh, in the near future <laughs> once it's out in a collection. Oh, I would love that. Big thanks once again to Alyssa Wong for coming on the show and, and just chatting about Deadpool. We love yeah. us some Deadpool. I Look, I'm sorry, Ryan, to you because I booked Alyssa that you had to hear what their initial pitch for Deadpool was and all the stuff that didn't make it into the book. So I'm, a, I'm sorry if that it hit your, you know, still developing ears. <laughs> Fair enough. It was a tough one. Woof. Woof. Ay, ay, ay. All right, that is it for us this week. This episode of Marvel's Pullis was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrada. Brad Barton is Pullis Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us over at pullist at marvel.com. You can also reach us by using the hashtag Marvel's Pullist on Twitter. Uh, make sure to rate and subscribe the show wherever you listen to podcasts and, you know, tell a friend about the show. Heck yeah, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. For more information and full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash pull list quote rules. Terms and conditions apply open to U.S. residents 18 and up. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 and over only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com slash insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's pull list quote of the week.